0: Today we're going to talk about the strengthening power. The strengthening power of waiting. You know, I think with our advances in technology, we're becoming very poor, very bad at waiting. You know, when when I order something on Amazon or something like that, I mean, I'm already tapping my toe an hour later. I'm like... All right, where is it? Shouldn't I have it by now? Aren't we like that, though? And I think that's you know the technology was just kind of conditioned us. I like this uh, in the bleachers uh, cartoon. This is, depicts the annual instant gratification zero mile fun run. <laughs> Runners to your mark. Get set. Go. Okay, come get your t-shirts. <clears throat> We're really getting like that. I don't know if you remember um, the Heinz 57 commercials. They used to run, oh, probably 20 years ago now, I would imagine. But um, the picture was a a bottle of ketchup, Heinz 57, right? And, And the condiment inside, the ketchup was just moving ever so slowly, like... Just moving so slowly. And then, and then you had that Carly Simon in the background. Anticipation. Anticipation. Remember that? Sound a little different than that. But, anyways, their motto was the best things come to those who wait. It almost sounds scriptural, but it's not, per se. Sounds like the book of Proverbs, doesn't it? But you know, the Bible is very clear about the value of waiting and waiting well, versus impetuous and impatient behaviors that can lead to bad things. Here's one such scripture: Isaiah 40:31. Really familiar to us. But those who wait on the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings. Like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on the Lord. Shall renew their strength. In other words. In the waiting. There can be a restorative strengthening. That gives you. Unbounded energy and strength to move forward. As we read two weeks ago, the disciples, after the ascension of Christ, were commanded by Christ to wait. Jesus said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to go and wait. (laughs) Today I I want us to take a look at what the disciples did in the waiting. Because it, it seems to me that how we approach waiting, and what we do in the waiting, can lead to strengthening, preparation, readiness for what God has in store, or it can prove to be a disaster. So let's read from Acts 1, 12-26. And see what the disciples actually did while they waited for the promised Holy Spirit. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke a long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field where he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of graphic. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Al-Kaldama, which is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may this place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So they nominated two men: Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. He's got a lot of names, that guy. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, "Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen." So take over his to take over his apostolic ministry which Judas left, to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. It seems to me that what the disciples did during their period of waiting helped to strengthen them and helped <laughs> to prepare them. They knew that when the Holy Spirit would come, that they would become the voice of the gospel in all of the Middle East. That's what Jesus had told them. So there was this time of preparation. So what did they do? Well, we know that by the end of the wait, they were strengthened and they were prepared. I like Acts 2 verse 1. After their wait, we see these words. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. They were ready, right? They were all together. They were all ready. And the Holy Spirit came. So what they did, and theologians figure it was probably nine or ten days, during that nine or ten days, proved to strengthen them, proved to prepare them and ready them for the reception of the Holy Spirit so that they then could go out and be disciples in the world to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is what they did. How the disciples used their weight to be strengthened. Number one, they all joined together constantly in prayer. That's a good thing. Prayer is an important thing. Instead of just sitting around idly, worrying, (coughs) reasoning, growing impatient, squabbling, doubting, allowing something else to get their attention, being distracted, they decided to just stay at the feet of Christ. And keep the lines of communication open. So that they were ready for that moment when the Holy Spirit would come on. I wonder what they prayed. I, I, know, what I, would, I know what I would have, would have prayed. I, I'm, I'm quite sure of it. I, I've just seen the ascension of Christ. <laughs> so I, I'm going to be full of praise and worship. I, I'm going to be adoring Christ. I'm going to be glorifying Christ, for for sure. I'm also going to be a little bit apprehensive because I know that when this thing happens, that the Holy Spirit comes on us, uh, I'm going to be called upon, even though I'm just a regular Joe, most, all of us are fishermen, regular guys, I'm I'm going to be called upon to go out and minister in the world. And so I'm going to pray about preparation. I'm going to pray that the Lord prepares me. I'm going to be praying prayers of reassurance that this just wasn't some kind of crazy illusion. That I've been duped into some crazy thing. I'm going to pray for peace because my heart's probably pumping. And I'm probably going to spend times with God in my prayers confessing of the stuff that I know is not good for me to hold on to if I'm going to be effectively used of Christ. The second thing that they did, they prayed constantly, it says, together. The second thing was that they decided to address some unfinished business, or to address something that was unresolved. They decided to replace Judas. You see, Christ had appointed 12 disciples. Now they were 11. Judas had betrayed Christ had been given money, had committed suicide. And there was only 11. And Peter felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to replace Judas. He he figured that if, if, if Christ chose 12, we need 12. And that Judas should be replaced. And so, he got that inspiration not just off the top of his head. He actually got it from... Two psalms of David, that David wrote, that we now refer to as messianic psalms, or psalms that referred to or foreshadowed the coming Messiah, the coming Christ, or they're called messianic psalms. One of those is Psalm 69, and in Psalm 69, it talks about the punishment of the person who would betray And that was that that place where he was laid would be left desolate and barren. Like nobody would want to build there because that was the wrong neighborhood. And the other psalm was Psalm 109 which said that the fallen one would be replaced by somebody else in leadership. And so Peter's not making this stuff up. He's he's feeling compelled and he's drawn to these passages of scripture by the Holy Spirit. And he says, We got some unresolved business, we gotta take care of. And so what they did is they decided to put forward the names of two people. And interestingly, these people were, were held in high regard, and they would have been there with Christ from, even though they weren't part of the twelve, with Christ from his baptism to his ascension. So they had the full picture like the other disciples had. And they could also testify, most importantly, as we approach Easter, they could testify to the resurrection. Because it's the resurrection that makes all the difference. And so, Joseph and Matthias were the ones who were put forward. And Matthias was chosen. By lot, and it's kind of interesting that by lot they were leaving it up to God. They weren't sort of decide, okay, well you know, let's have a debate, let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses. They basically chose two people that they knew were good guys, and they just left it to lot because they knew that God and they asked God to direct the lot so that He would select Jesus would select the twelfth disciple, and Judas then. Would be replaced. And so we have this really amazing procedure that happens during the time of waiting. And so they prayed and they took care of unresolved issues. They addressed an issue that needed to be addressed and they waited. And they waited. And they waited. You know, me and Amazon, and an hour later, this is ten days of waiting. And they're all together. You know, the disciples were kind of known for having some little power struggles within themselves. You know that, don't you? (laughs) They, used to, you know, they, they had little squabbles about who was the most important, right? And who was going to sit next to Jesus on the thrones, you know? So they had this thing, you know, So, but there's no mention of any squabbling or any of that. And that's because they were in prayer and they were doing something that they felt God was wanting them to do because they were getting ready and preparing for what Christ was going to do, and that was sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that we're all aware of common threats to the benefits of waiting. There's impatience, idleness. Okay, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do anything. Not doing anything is bad. You know what they say about idleness, right? And idle hands. Doubt. Did he really say we're supposed to hang out in this room? (laughs) I mean, it's been seven days, you know? These guys are starting to get on my nerves. Fear. Starting to get really nervous about this, guys. Have we been really set up? Did he really say this? This is scary. There's pride, you know. Okay, well, you know, I saw him ascend, so I better. <laughs> I was I was prepared to listen to him then, but no, it's been like seven days. You know, maybe I need to take over control here and make some decisions. Or my reason can get in the way of waiting? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense, what we're about to do. Distractions can throw us off course and get us out of waiting. Discord, squabbling. These are all common threats to the benefits of waiting. And as scripture says, waiting can lead to strengthening them. Strengthening and preparedness. And these are common threats. Scripture is very clear about the threat to waiting effectively. There's two narratives that come to mind that are just very blatant about object lessons, if you will. The morals of their stories are clearly bent towards the need to wait and the need to wait well. The first one, of course, is Abraham and Sarah, who've been told they were going to have a son, and that that son would be, have another son, and they would grow into a great nation, and all the world would be blessed. And after a while, Sarah said, all right, well, we can reason got involved, right? Doubt, fear. And so they decided, Well, I've got this servant of mine called Hagar, and she can have a child because I'm barren, and now we know that and then Ishmael was born. And, and and then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I, I will surely bless him. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When she had finished speaking with Abraham, or when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. And of course we know that because of their impatience and their lack of commitment to waiting, that Ishmael also became a great people. And and you read about his great people and the great people of Isaac every day in the news. And it's it is the, the, the eternal battle between the Jews and the Arabs. That's where it started. And so, the moral of the story is, wait, wait well. <laughs> Don't become impatient. Trust. The next story is about King Saul. Uh, King Saul was anointed Uh, by Samuel and at one point Samuel said to him you're going to want to go fight the Philistines because the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. You're going to want to go do that but I want you to make sure that you wait seven days. I'm going to come and we'll do some sacrifices and get your hearts ready for battle." And King Saul waited seven days the appointed time but on the seventh day he threw in the towel. And he says, I'll do the sacrifices. I'll do the, the, the gift giving to God. I will help the, my soldiers get ready for battle. And guess what happened? Samuel shows up after he's done what he wasn't supposed to do. After he was impatient and went ahead and did his own thing. And these are the words that Samuel gives to... Um, Saul, you've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And so King Saul couldn't wait you know, all those things, the impatience, the doubts and the fear, the pride, the reasoning. There was even discord, because his army's like, man, the Philistines are, are getting bigger and bigger. We, we can't keep waiting for this priest to show up. Let's get, get on with things. And, 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 and King Saul said, yeah, you're right. Let, let, I'll, do the, I'll do the thing that the Samuel's supposed to do. And just then, Samuel shows up. And guess what? Saul lost his kingdom because he was impatient. And so scripture's pretty clear that there are times when God is going to call on us to wait. And those are times that can be used to strengthen our resolve. Those are times that we can become prepared for For what God is going to reveal as the next step. But if we abort mission. Become impatient. Get fidgety. And decide to take things into our own hands. It can turn out very badly. And we can get set back. So I don't know. Some of you may be a place in your life where God has called you to wait. You've been given a clear sense that He wants you to do something, but you have to wait. The full picture hasn't been revealed. God is is going to reveal it, but you're in a waiting period. Scripture teaches us, The lesson of the disciples in this period between the ascension of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit teaches us that we need to wait. And we need to wait well. We need to wait on the Lord and have our strength renewed. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. And they'll run and not be weary. And they'll walk and not faint. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You just have so many good things in store for us. And sometimes we want to just have it all right now. And I pray, Lord, that You would help us in the wait to not allow the weight to lead us in directions that are not of you but to stay close to you in prayer to do that which we know we need to do but to wait for you I thank you Lord that the disciples did and that they were so ready for the Glory out of your Holy Spirit, that pentecost. Thank you for the testament of your Scripture. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.